Hello and welcome to a sporting discussion, your podcast that discusses sports of all sorts. I am AJ Mithen and I am joined by Andrew Donison, who today shaved his face and his beard off, so he's almost unrecognisable. Hello, Andrew. Old babyface Donison, they call me. Hello. All right, let's move on. A very, very special episode this week. We have a huge guest on the podcast, the Chief Operating Officer of the NBL, Andy Crook. We're going to talk to him about the NBL 16-17 season just started and the league's plans for the future. Uh, we're going to have a look at the Constellation Cup netball, uh, World Cup qualifiers in the soccer, controversy on the mountain at Bathurst, and we're also going to very quickly fit in some cricket and AFL trade news. As we always say, a discussion is two ways, us here at ASD Stadium and you, the listeners. Get in contact with us via Twitter. We're at, at ASD underscore podcast, or you can go to facebook.com slash a sporting discussion so we can make sure we are talking about issues that are of interest to you. Andrew, it's time for confirmations and corrections, and we need to get through this very, very quickly this week. That's so. going to be... I'm going to stop you right there, AJ. Oh, come on, just get it over listen, with. Listen to what's happening in the background. Yeah, all clear. Give me a banger. Okay, no errors. No errors, no confirmations. All right, we move on. Why do you hate that song We move so on, much? Andrew. Topical recap. Proudly brought to you by Ultimate AFL Trivia. Search for them on Facebook, where they normally put out daily AFL-related trivia questions. However, they're taking a break through the AFL off-season, but you can still get in contact with them if you would like to run an AFL-themed trivia night at your event. Whereabouts, AJ? Uh, they will hold events anywhere in Australia, but seeing as it's the off-season, we still have to say this because they're an official sponsor of the show. But make sure you get on Ultimate AFL Trivia on Facebook. And Speaking of Facebook, Andrew, we put out a Friday debate last week uh, when the AFL announced that the umpires were below average, I believe. I can't remember the official wording that they used, but there were some suggestions that the free kick disparity was not just due to the free kicks not being there or being there, but the umpires not necessarily paying the correct free kicks. Yes, I believe the exact term was the review, the umpiring was not up to standard. Oh, that's yes. And so, so we, as you would have thought. Yes, <laughs> we, we put out on Facebook. Uh, a question, uh, yes, time for a Friday debate. Were the Swans hosed? Are people turning a blind eye because the fairy tale side won? Penny, for your thoughts, folks. What did we get, AJ? Oh, what did we get? We got quite a few. Uh, a lot of them were the same. The theme was basically along with are people turning a blind eye because the fairy tale side won. Uh, mm. Everyone knows that the umpiring is bad. No one seemed to care. Yeah, there was uh, Western Bulldogs supporter Stephen Green said, agree, Sydney were on the wrong end of a few, but do I care? Nope, not one iota, which <laughs> is entirely fair enough from a Bulldog supporting perspective. Well, there was quite a few, let's say, Ashley Huben, Sydney supporter. Mm. Swan's definitely got the short straw, but not sure if it would have changed the result. I, I, I dare say maybe one or two Swans players wouldn't be as injured as they were, but anyway. True. And Bulldogs wouldn't have got a couple of goals that they did get, but anyway. Yeah, and I think that, as you say, the general gist was there were some decisions that went the Swans' way, and but it didn't necessarily impact on the result. I think Bella Miller summed it up nicely. Swans are a seasoned and experienced team. I'm sure they'd be embarrassed by any suggestion that the umpires cost them the game. 
Absolutely spot on. Now let's move on. Uh, and we're two weeks past the AFL, so let's quickly hurry these along yep. and we can move on to other things. On Twitter, we asked, was the 2016 AFL season one of the worst seasons in AFL history? We got a simple reply from Rowan Dixon. No. Can't be more clear than that. Must be a Doggies fan. And uh, we also asked for a rating out of 10. Uh, seven, and Andrew McGrath came to us with seven teams in the final eight who won more than 15 games. A brilliant final series. Four out of 10 is a bit harsh. He gave it seven out of 10. I wonder if that's Andrew McGrath, the potential number one draft pick in this year's AFL draft. Well, he would say that if it was him, wouldn't he? AJ, the NBL season started on the weekend with the mighty Brisbane Bullets returning and winning their first two games. I think it's time that we talked about Australian basketball in a little bit more detail. Yeah, there's big plans coming up for the NBL, uh, not just for season 2016-17, but in the years ahead. The league's owner, Larry Kestelman, and his team of Jeremy Loliger and Andy Crook, who are the general manager and chief operating officer, respectively. Uh, They've got big plans heading forward, and a lot of it involves uh, getting in, in a relationship built with China. We spoke to the league's chief operating officer, Andy Crook, earlier today. Andy Crook, welcome to a sporting discussion. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. Andy, you are the Chief Operating Officer of the the NBL. Do you just want to give us a a quick rundown of of what that role entails? Yeah, sure. So essentially my role is um, to look after the league itself um, and to look after the business. So uh, I I probably probably have to differentiate that between the general manager's role, which is Jeremy Lowleger's role. Um, he, he's very much focused on, I guess, the commercial growth and the the expansion side of things and trying to take the NBL forward. And, and my role is to, to look after the business and make sure the league's operating as, as we need it to. Oh, great. And obviously, you'd have to be pretty happy with week one because uh, we've had some massive crowds, a lot of awareness around and uh, a lot of people getting into the uh, first weekend of the NBL this year. Yeah, we're, we're really delighted. It's um, you know, obviously, when you sit down and try and do a schedule, you, you're playing for the best possible results and to uh, to get you know bums on seats and uh, also to get some good broadcast numbers. And you know, I'm really pleased to say that, that the attendances were have eclipsed anything we've done in uh, in, in recent history. In, in fact, we've gone back on the records now, but probably in the last ten to fifteen years. So. Uh, we had nearly 45,000 people go through the turnstiles over the weekend, which is just a phenomenal result for the first round. And our broadcast figures, in particular on Fox, were um, uh, far surpassed what we did last year, so, and we have done in previous years. So we're, we're really we're really pleased, and it's a, a great start to the season for everyone. And that partnership with Fox, it's a, a five-year deal. This is the, the second year of that, and, and that means that every game will be live on Fox Sports. Have you, have you found that that's a, a good vehicle to, I guess, help in raising the awareness of the, the league amongst the, you know, the, the, the Australian public? Yeah, absolutely. We, we, I mean, first and foremost, it's the premium sports platform in the country, so to be on Fox Sport and be amongst the premium sports is really important, important from a positioning point of view, um, and just the ability to schedule games when we when we need to schedule them is also important. Uh, and we work with Fox really closely on, on all that scheduling, 
uh, and also, you know, to actually raise awareness of, of the league uh, in, in things like Fox Sport News, which is a platform that you don't get on any other channel. So you know, Fox Sport are massive supporters of, of the NBL. They're really behind um, the, the new NBL, if you like, uh, and we've, we've got a great relationship and we, we feel like over the next three years of that agreement, it's only going to get better. Yeah, excellent. Um, looking to the people in the crowd, uh, the crowds were up. Uh, Brisbane came back. Brisbane was there, 7,000, 7,500 or so in Sydney uh, to watch Andrew Gaze's first game as coach. Um, what, are the, what are the plans to keep the people coming back? Uh, is there a match day experience, so to speak, or something like that? Because we're about to head into a very crowded summer sporting calendar. Yeah, absolutely. Look, our, our vision is to be Australia's premium. It's a big vision, Australia's premium uh, sports entertainment product. And we, we really believe if we can start to build uh, a match day experience that is, um, you know, better than the likes of, uh, you know, the Big Bash, AFLs, NRLs, we can really start to achieve it. Um, what we saw on the weekend with the Sydney Kings, for example, under new ownership was you know, second to none. You're not going to get any... Uh, I, I, would, I would urge anyone listening in Sydney to make sure you get out and, and, and see um, the, the uh, game experience because it's second to none. and um, They're the sorts of experiences we want our fans to have. So, yes, we want great basketball on the court, but we also want them to have a great time. And the good thing about what Sydney, is, you know, for example, is delivering is that it looks great on broadcast as well. So, you know, when, when you're looking through the TV or you're at the venue, you, you, you're getting a great experience and the basketball is great as well. So... Uh, we, our, all of our teams are committed to, 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 on the, uh, to being on the journey to, to be one of the uh, premium or the premium sports entertainment products. So, um, and they're really delivering. So we, we couldn't be pleased, more pleased with them. And we know that they're happy, really happy with the way the first round went as well. Uh, do you think that will translate into there's huge latent and obvious basketball support in Australia, uh, across the NBA, NBL and everywhere else. Um, do you think the sort of uh, the product being handled at the moment will, I guess, activate that, uh, that latent force? Well, I think it, I think it already is. So uh, when, you, when you look at the numbers that we're getting on Fox Sport and the numbers we're getting on um, uh, in, in venues from an attendance point, from an attendance point of view, you know, it, I think it already is activating that latent, um, that latent interest. So... You know, I guess our, our, our view is that um, come the time when NBA kicks off, which is end of October, early November, you know, we're already established in the marketplace. We, we've got to be able to position our product against the NBA and people have got to be able to say, yeah, actually, this is very similar. And they can actually watch the NBA or the NBL. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a big statement, but it's, you know, we really want to own and dominate that uh, October, November, December period of time. We know that big data comes along in January and, it's always a difficult, a difficult task to, uh, to take on at the moment. But um, you know, if, if we focus on, on delivering a great product, you know, building links with the NBL, um, you know, we think we can actually really start to bring in those basketball fans who have been missing a great entertainment experience in, 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 in their sport for a long period of time. And speaking of the the product, I guess the the big thing that everyone in Australia has experienced with the NBL is the the massive wave of popularity throughout the the nineties, and then and then the drop off. And that's, I guess, you know, a, a really great sign at the moment. The crowds from from last year and and so far this year. But in terms of, I guess, maintaining the quality of the product, what sort of investment is going into to grassroots basketball is the NBL involved in, in in the grassroots side of the game 
Oh, look, we, you know, we very much at the moment, um, you know, we're delivering an entertainment product. That's the way we see it. However, certainly as a priority for us is to actually begin to invest and engage in the, in the grassroots in a more meaningful way. You know, Basketball Australia have a developing program um, uh, in Aussie hoops that they, they roll out at grassroots level, and that's very much their domain. But the clubs in particular have uh, the opportunity to um, develop a, pr- a pretty meaningful program uh, through through the through the player involvement um, uh, in schools and those sort of things. So that's probably where our, our focus is, is more the school side of things rather than grassroots basketball out itself. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to be we're going to be looking in the very near future at developing our own grassroots program to, to and, it, and it's really designed to inspire um, the interest in the game uh, and, and in particular the NBL game. And we want to deliver to school kids an entertainment product very similar to what they're going to experience um, at a match itself. So that, that's our challenge at the moment, is to not just to roll out a, a, a community program that focuses on skills. It's about delivering some sort of entertainment package as well. And, um, you know, we're, we're quite a way down the track to actually um, getting that in, in place. Um, Andy, have you noticed uh, this season and I guess last season as well, there seems to be a we're, – we're old school NBL followers from way back where a lot of the imports were journeymen, so to speak, or, you know, guys who couldn't get a, get a game somewhere else in the States usually. Um, now we've got guys like uh, Ferguson at uh, Adelaide who's come in. He's 18, Terence Ferguson, um, an 18-year-old who's come straight out of high school and sees the NBL as a gap year, so to speak, to tune him up for the NBA. Uh, and we've also got Josh Powell, who's signed a two-time NBA champion who's signed with the Sydney Kings. Um, do you see the import profile changing dramatically like that? There's a lot of college-age college, college age players coming through. Yeah, and that's that's a different move, and that's that's before my time. But yeah, certainly, Jeremy and Larry uh, Kesselman have been um, really focused on that, and I know that the clubs have been focused on it as well. So, you know, if if we're going to to deliver on our uh, in our uh, you know vision of a, a great entertainment product, we need great players, and and so we're trying to search for the best players out there, and, and these guys that, that are not just you know the Americans coming over, but some of the Australians who are coming back are, are great players, and. Um, you know, the clubs are very focused on it. Again, we've got more sophisticated owners who have got a bit more money to spend on these players, uh, in a, in a, in a way that, you know, doesn't break the bank. So it's, it's right across the league. It's a focus and a, and a real key strategy of ours to actually keep, keep this, uh, uh, the momentum we've got at the moment moving forward. Yeah, we get, we're getting a sense from you, Andy, and we know from Larry Kesselman's, uh, uh, pronouncements that the NBL are looking to achieve big things. Now, at the moment, the owner of the league, Larry Kestelman, who I think is he's the individual who's put the, the biggest amount of money in Australian history into a sporting league, um, he and your league's general manager, Jeremy Loliger, are over in China at the moment. Uh, what, what are they up to over there? Yeah, it's actually Jeremy just over there at the moment, but certainly Larry, Larry and Jeremy are very active in China. It's, look, it's really about, it's the same with the NBA. We've, we're building relationships with both China and the NBA to, to make sure that we're in... Um, uh, you know, we see, we see China as a, a big growth market. So for two, for two reasons, one is um, from a you know let, let's be realistic. We sent a we sent an all Australian team over last year. Um, in fact, it was earlier this year after last season to China, and the the, uh, the cumulative uh, viewing reach was 120 million uh, over wow. three games against Chinese teams. So they're, they're ginormously significant numbers, and 
uh, our, our teams are starting to branch out and, and take pre-season um, trips over to China and play against Chinese teams. And we see it as a market that will help us commercially in the future. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And, um, you know, it's, there's, a, there's a very big and very engaged basketball market. They love it over there. It's, it's practically the second sport. So, you know, it's, it's in everyone's interest to, to collectively get together and, um, you know, Jeremy's role very much so is, is breaking down some of the barriers that exist culturally to, to, to get NBL and the CPA, the Chinese Basketball Association over there on the same page. And so. Andy, this might be this, this might be something which is you know a little bit too early to to be sort of you know going too much into. But previously, obviously, Singapore had a team in the the NBL with with eight teams in the competition. Is there obviously you know uh, getting the the product uh, onto the TVs in over in China is, is one thing. Having a, a Chinese team or two actually compete in the NBL, we saw them in the preseason competition. But would it be uh, eventually a goal to actually have a couple of teams in the the NBL? Yeah, look, it's, it's certainly on the agenda. It's it's something we're we're actively pursuing, and Jeremy will have be having discussions over there. It, it's, you know, number one on our priority list was actually getting um, some media exposure over there, broadcast, uh, streaming, social media, those sort of things, and we've set that up this year, and, um, you know, that, that was underway over the weekend. Um, and secondary is to actually look at, okay, is there a possibility here for the, to make this happen, and, and what's the timeframes to make it happen? So, it's you know, it's very, very, very early days. It's something that Jeremy's talked about pretty regularly in the media that he'd like to see in the future and it's a possibility so you know you never know what could happen we've seen the likes of super rugby expand um almost on a global basis so who, who knows what the future holds uh, and uh, you know look forward to, to seeing how that all pans out and that's a perfect way to sign off andy crook we want to thank you so much for giving us your time on a sporting discussion uh we hope to speak to you again soon thanks guys all the best that was Andy Crook, Chief Operating Officer of the NBL. Looking forward to talking to him throughout the season and as the potential expansion plans happen. Got some good things going this year, haven't they, in the NBL? Yeah, there's a, a couple of games uh, in Melbourne that they'll be pumping up. The, the Boxing Day game uh, with the open roof, hopefully, which we will be getting along to. Absolutely. Um, and it's... Uh, I, you know I love people with ambition... Yes, Andrew, you know I love people who just want to go for it and I, I really hope the NBL takes off even bigger than it used to be. Yeah, and, and I think that they're doing all the right things to, to put themselves in the position to, to have that. As we said when we were talking to Andy, in the mid-90s, it was huge in, in Australia and if they can harness that, as you were saying, that latent support again, then there's no reason why it can't be the you know one of the biggest sports in the summer calendar. Andrew, Australia's football team, the Socceroos, have just arrived back from Saudi Arabia uh, where they played a two-all draw in a very entertaining yet incredibly frustrating game. Uh, That leaves them on top of their group in World Cup qualifying for Russia and the big daddy of them all is coming tonight. We are recording on Tuesday, 
and uh, Australia is about to take the field against Japan at Etihad Stadium in Melbourne. It's a, a huge, huge game because the, as we know, the the third round that they're in consists of two groups of six teams. They'll play each other twice, once home, once away, and the top two teams in each group qualify for the the World Cup. Currently. The Australia is top of their group, but the top four teams out of the six are only separated by one point. So the bottom two teams are, are yet to register a point. So every game that the, the Socceroos play against those other three quality teams is super important. Their away results have been fantastic so far. Australia, they beat the United Arab Emirates, I think it was 2-0. in a 1-0. one nil, sorry. In a, that was a brilliant performance. Mm. That was one of the best performances I've seen them do in the heat over in the Middle East um, for, well, ever really. Yeah, it, w- it was really impressive. And then, as you said, the the two-all draw in Saudi Arabia last week. We played really well. Had a 2-1 lead with 10 minutes to go and unfortunately just couldn't hang on. But it needs to be put out there. That, uh, and we've said this before on a sporting discussion that the teams in our group are bloody good. They are really good. It's uh, the the UAE, Japan, who are our nemesis, if you like it, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, and we've also got Thailand. And everyone thinks Thailand is uh, a pushover, but it's not the case. No, no. The, a lot of the teams in the group have improved considerably over the, you know, since we've moved into the, the Asian uh, confederation. Yeah. And I think Australian football fans and possibly the the ones who only get interested in during World Cup periods mm. maybe still think that we're playing teams like the Solomon Islands and, and we can win 46-0. Well, there's a fair bit of... Oh, what's, what's the way to say it? Especially when we play teams like Iraq and Iran and the Middle Eastern side like the UAE. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, people, you know, don't rate the country, so don't think the team can be any good. Yep. I yep. don't know if that's racism, but it's, <laughs> what is it? It's... Oh, it's I, just not understanding the, where the game's at at the moment. It's possibly thinking that, oh, well, you know, they're not a, a huge footballing nation. They're not a European country, yeah. so they don't have the, the quality uh, of players. But mm. they they absolutely do. And currently, as, a, as it stands, as I was saying, the... Um, the group that Australia is in is very, very tight at the top. This game against Japan, AJ, do you think that Australia will be trying to blow Japan out of the water with an attacking style, or will it be more oh, no. of a, a defensive? Get the point. Oh, sorry, get try to get the points uh, and move on. Andrew style is Andrew style. He'll go at you. He doesn't care what it is. Doesn't okay. care what's at stake. Um, I think if Australia win this, they are very, very much in the box seat. Uh, to stay top two yep, uh, with a few home games to come uh, early next year and through till September next year, I think it is. Yeah, September is the final round of matches. I'll just, before we wrap this one up, quickly mention that in the group that Australia's in, each of those top four teams has scored five goals in the tournament thus far, and Australia has conceded two, the other three have conceded three, so it's very close. I am so nervous about this Japan game. Jeez, I hope they win.
Andrew, uh, it's time to get to our Sports of All Sorts segment to wrap this up. Uh, we were just talking about the Socceroos game, which starts in 13 minutes. That's when we're recording this. So we are going to give ourselves eight minutes to get out of this podcast and then five minutes to upload it. All right. So are you ready? I am. If you hear the duck going, we've spoken for too long. Ready, set, go. Cricket. We are still rubbish. The Australian cricket team is still rubbish. They lost once again in a one-day international uh, two nights ago. The South Africans tried to help us out by dropping or resting four of their best six players, and they then proceeded to bowl Australia out for 167. Wow. Yes, Australia is 4-0 down in the five-match series. They have never, ever, ever lost a five-match one-day international series 5-0. Do you think they're going to care? But anyway, I also saw game three, I think it was, they made 371 and it got chased down easily. Yep. We've been talking about the lack of bowling coming through. I mean, anyway, what's next? What's next? Constellation Cup netball, Andrew. Yes, Australia continued on their winning ways in international netball on Sunday. They defeated the Silver Ferns. Now, I've got the wrong score here. It's not 60 to 55. They won, they won by, beat them by 12, 12 points. Which in netball terms is a flogging. Goals. I said points that time. Sorry. Ooh. 68 to 56. Uh, the Sorry, the 60 to 55 that I have in front of me was the last time they met, which Australia have gone through the international netball uh, season without losing a game thus far. Mm, well, well, we'll circle back to that in about 15 sec- 30 seconds because they had a crowd of 15,161 and the next game, which is in Launceston, I mm-hmm. believe, yep. uh, sold next out. Wednesday, I think it is, sold out. Sold out at the Silver Dome. Fantastic. Mm. The, just, just quickly, yes. we hinted a little while back that splitting the Australian and New Zealand leagues uh, would see or may see a bit of a trough, shall we say, in international netball where Australia just dominates everything. Yes. Um, the league is only just split and we, we, don't have a, we don't have a time period to judge anything on. But if, if the state now is yeah. Australia flogging everyone in New Zealand not being really good, I've got bad thoughts for what's coming in international netball. Uh, yes, especially when you've got coach Lisa Alexander basically saying that the main goal for this series was a clean sweep. It's not about, you know, playing the right way, getting time into it. It's just a clean sweep. We want to win. We want to defeat everyone. Yeah, it's good for Australian netball, but it's not good for world netball. Anyway, moving on, Andrew. Bathurst and very fast cars. Yes, very fast cars. They went around 90 laps without incident, which a lot of people were flummoxed uh, at how that could possibly have happened. There was no safety cars required up until that point, And then... There were a huge number of incidents throughout the uh, the yeah the remaining seventy one laps. Not uh, not least the Jamie Wincup, Scott McLaughlin, and Garth Tander three way tango that ended up with Ooh. McLaughlin and Tander both uh, out of the race, and Jamie Wincup himself getting a fifteen second penalty, which meant that over, even though he crossed the line first. He was not the the victor. So no. basically, Jamie Winkup tried a passing move on the inside of Scott McLaughlin, forced the Volvo driver off the track because Winkup's uh, brakes locked up. Winkup then slowed down to redress, so allow McLaughlin to get in front of him. 
Tander didn't want any of that, so he tried to go around, wink up, and that just resulted in cars yeah. spinning everywhere. Cars everywhere, okay. So Red Bull Racing and Jamie Winkup are protesting the result. Uh, he finished 11th instead of 1st, and what that actually meant is that Shane Van Gisbergen, who came second, he extended his lead over Jamie Winkup from seven points in the championship to 139 points with three races remaining. So wow. it's actually a really, really big uh, protest here because <laughs> it gets Winkup right back into the uh, into the championship. Oh. AJ, AFL trade period. We're going to give this one minute and one minute only because the AFL trade period is one of the most... Silly times of the year. Uh, already, we've only had two trades done. Ty Vickery has got... Oh, sorry, there's three, I think. Ty Vickery's gone to Hawthorne. Daniel Wells has gone to Collingwood as a free agent, I think it was. And uh, what's his name? Cam McCarthy, McCarthy has finally gone to Fremantle for a whole bunch of picks that we're not going to bother going through here. What are your overall thoughts on trade period, Andrew? I love it. I think it's hilarious that you, you see journalists come up with these fanciful possible trades you see fans come up with even more fanciful possible trades and (laughs) i absolutely love it and what i also love is that it's so slow it's long it's boring but (laughs) it still takes up so many pages of melbourne uh newspapers there's a dedicated radio station for Mm. the trade period and it rates incredibly now you've tipped me off on something here we might take this to our social media at asd underscore podcast or facebook.com slash a sporting discussion one of my favorite things of trade time is supportive values on their own players yep Uh, i can remember a couple of years ago people were saying that matthew cruiser was worth you know three first round picks if they want to trade uh, let's say, for example, this year, Brett Deledio is being spoken about going to Geelong for Josh Caddy, and all of a sudden, uh, Josh Caddy has become Norm Smith, uh, yep. and Brett Deledio is worth five first-round picks <laughs> and all sorts of players. So we want your supportive value trades at ASD underscore podcast or facebook.com slash discussion. Now, let's sign this off and get rolling to the game, Andrew. If you have an issue you'd like us to talk about next week, hit us up on Twitter at ASD underscore podcast or facebook.com slash discussion. I think that's three times in 30 seconds I just said that. Yep. We reply, tweets or comments are signed off with either AJ for myself or AD for himself. Tell your friends to subscribe to ASD on whatever podcast platform they use. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, Player.fm, but we prefer that you use Wooshka.com. That's the great Australian company that hosts all of our audio. Uh, you can either listen through their Wooshka app, which you can download from the App Store, or listen on their desktop site, which is the way I do it when I want to have a sneaky listen at work. Yes, Andrew? AJ, breaking news, which Ooh. is pointless on a podcast. But we break a lot of news on a podcast. at 7.53pm. Essendon Football Club, their Swiss court appeal has failed. <gasps> The Ooh. AFL Commission has a decision to make on whether Joe Watson keeps his Brownlow medal after a Swiss court appeal from the 34 current and former Essendon players banned for doping failed. That's courtesy of the age. Not a real surprise, that, is it? No. They don't, the wider folks don't mess around. No. We no might that... have, something tells me we may talk about that next week. Mm. All right. Uh, Andrew, are you on Triple R this Monday at 7.15am? Yes, I will be. AJ, rugbyleaguehub.com for an end-of-season wrap. I'm still drafting an end-of-season wrap. Your team season in 50 words. If you have any suggestions, hit me up on Twitter. That'll probably do for this week. It's time to go grab a whiskey, put our feet up and watch the soccer as dominate Japan. Thanks for listening. We will be back next week. <laughs> <laughs>